welcome to Neptune Rising. Um, I'm your guiding astrologer, Christina Farella, and I am here to illuminate the astrological path that lies ahead of us for the next two weeks. This episode will be discussing the astrology of February 8th through 21st, which is a period of time that is packed full of astrological activation. So if you were thinking we didn't have enough astrological uh, upheaval in the collective um, and we're wanting some more this will be a good chunk of time for you um, but you know for most of us it's been pretty non-stop since last year and I would say that February's astrology starts off conversations that we see develop through the year um, and so this is a critical moment for many different reasons which we'll be touching on today so the headlining events um, of the next couple of weeks are going to be, you know, just a few. Uh, Mercury retrograde, Kazemi the Sun, the new moon in Aquarius, Saturn square to Uranus, Venus conjunct Jupiter, and Venus square Uranus, to name a few. And that's a lot. <laughs> the underpinning astrological energy right now is disruptive and provocative, with electric Uranus really in the mix at this point in the year. So pushing us past our comfort zone, you know, Uranus is asking us to kind of branch out, um, expand our vision, um, kind of, you know, illuminate the path ahead by taking risks and showing ourselves that new things are possible. Um, but, you know, we really have to be kind of breaking away from the status quo in so many different ways in order to get there. So However that's showing up in your life, and I'm sure that you can think of several examples just off the top of your head, it's a really um, tumultuous moment, but it is a moment full of opportunity if we're willing to kind of lean into that liberatory, if not completely um, frightening, Uranian vibration. So before I dive into the forecast, I kind of want to like stop along the path here a tiny bit and just say a few things about astrology as a discipline and where I feel we are right now. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that it's an amazing time to be a student of astrology. There are abundant resources, abundant teachers to learn from, and kind of abundant traditions to explore as well. Um, someone I was speaking with, a friend, Stephanie Werner, a fellow astrologer, recently remarked to me that just the fact that people openly discuss astrology, that it's mainstream and not something to be like in the closet about <laughs> unto itself, that's very remarkable considering how many of us um, post-Saturn return astrologers grew up with, um, you know, astrology as something that was sort of secret um, and had to be really sought out. So I think it's a really remarkable moment that we're finding ourselves in, astrologers and, you know, seekers or students alike, um, finding our ways through community on the internet and learning a lot along the way. So with all of that in mind, you know, the more the field grows and the more students and seekers are attracted to the discipline, the more we spread messages of cosmic connection, the more seriously we as practitioners need to take our ethical responsibilities to the communities that we serve. Another fellow astrologer, Alice Sparkly Cat, has said that astrology is care work, and I completely agree. To my mind, it's a kind of helping profession um, or a field of service. It's Virgoan or Aquarian or Piscean in nature. 
we're not just meeting with clients to impress them with our knowledge of the planets and fancy timing techniques, but rather we meet with people in astrological consultation to support and guide them towards inward connection and to encourage self-awareness, self-acceptance, and healing. So, you know, to help them see where they fit in the bigger picture and to remind them and ourselves to stay critical of societal power dynamics. You know, astrologers are really advocates for our clients' most electrically awakened selves. And so this work is not frivolous. It's not a party trick. It requires awareness of the material realities of the clients that we serve. It needs to be done with full cognizance of systemic injustices that our clients face and the different experiences and narratives that they bring to consultation, especially when they don't reflect or connect innately to the reader's own lived experiences. And this point was brought to my attention by another fellow astrologer, um, E.T. Shipley, who just gave me a beautiful consultation and um, just is a brilliant soul. So, you know, to the seekers and the people that I work with, I want to just say all of this. I'm kind of speaking to my colleagues, but I'm also speaking to people who consume astrology content online. Be mindful of the astrology that you do consume. And, you know, on this, on Instagram, on other apps, be mindful of how it impacts your emotional well-being. Be intentional about the teachers who initiate you into this field. I believe that all teachers and readers need to continue to ensure that we're the most resourced we can possibly be to facilitate astrological awareness that is as much about cosmic connection as it is about engaging the systems that we're embedded in here on planet Earth. Um, and so I, I'm saying all of this just because in my world, from my perspective, there has been a lot of talk um, about who is teaching whom and why. Um, there has been a lot of kind of upheaval around, uh, you know, approaches to, I would say, success and fame, what categorizes um, and what makes somebody an elder, what makes somebody someone that we can look up to and trust. Um, and just reminding ourselves that in this Aquarian moment, right, with so many planets in Aquarius, with the new moon in Aquarius on the horizon, that we are supposed to also be grounding ourselves in the practice of imagining the future. And the future is one, hopefully, where there is liberation, where there is, you know, this kind of acknowledgement of cycles of abuse and repression and oppression of human experience. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really feeling this strongly right now. All of the Aquarius planets are moving through my second house, so feeling like my own values are also being tested as a practitioner of this discipline. Um, and so for anybody who comes into contact with me or my work, I always do, you know, feel so responsible and so caring towards anybody who shares space with me and consultation or conversation otherwise. So I thank you for your trust um, if we have worked together. And for people who are you know, looking for an astrologer to guide the way, just really be cognizant of you know, not just the techniques this person can use to illuminate your chart, but also their ethics and their kind of orientation to um, systems of oppression, right? We have to really be all kind of electing um, to connect with people who can support us and hold us up 
in the most um, robust, most enlightened way possible, the most caring way possible as well. So that is my, my spiel on Aquarius season. I'm clearly feeling it. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here with me in general um, as someone who engages with my work. I appreciate you. So let's take a look at the astrology of the weeks ahead. Um, Monday, February 8th brings us a conjunction between the sun and Mercury, which is also known as a moment of Kazemi. So what is this word, Kazemi? I'll read to you from the astrologydictionary.com. Kazemi is a medieval astrological term that is used to refer to planets that are so close to a conjunction with the sun that they are, quote, in the heart of the sun, end quote. Kazimi is a Latin transliteration of the Arabic term kasimi, or I'm pronouncing that wrong, kasmimi, which means as if in the heart. Um, and so, you know, we have these, we're tracing the etymology of this, of this word through this dictionary definition, which is always so fascinating. The Greek term and concept appear for the first time in the work of Rhetorius of Egypt, who lived sometime around the 6th or 7th century CE. Later, the concept appears in Arabic in the work of Saul ibn Bashir in the early 9th century. Eventually, it showed up in medieval Latin works in the 12th and 13th centuries, such as, for example, in the work of Guido Bonatti. The astrological significance of the concept is that it was thought to be an ameliorating and strengthening factor for planets. In traditional Western astrology, planets that get close to a conjunction with the sun, especially within 15 degrees, are thought to be weakened because their light is obscured or overpowered by the light of the sun. Kazemi here appears to have been introduced as an exception to that general rule, so that when a planet is within a specific range of the sun, it is no longer harmed. And so this Kazemi moment in the heart of the sun, this happens every single Mercury retrograde, and it is always the marker of our retrograde experience that says this is number one halfway over and number two something really important is being illuminated or made manifest or visible um, about the retrograde narrative that we're moving through due to the light of the sun flooding mercury's energetic body so thinking deeply about what this means for you and for your retrograde journey is encouraged at this time and to kind of bring us back around to the calendar. This is happening tomorrow, Monday, February 8th. On February 10th, we'll see Mercury retrograde clash with Mars and Taurus, putting little Mercury uh, retrograde on high alert for actions that it needs to take. As with all retrograde stories, this is more about noticing than leaping into action. So if you're feeling kind of caught between a rock and a hard place or whatever those expressions are, if you're feeling like you are caught in some kind of dynamic that is asking you or even forcing you to move um, or you know, show your hand before you're ready, please remember that there is always more information that is revealed as Mercury retrograde ends. And so I think that just, you know, kind of checking in with yourself and reminding yourself that you deserve to not have to move at this moment in time. And whatever resulting frustration that may come through, you know, from taking your sweet time is okay. It's worth it right now. We're sitting with discomfort um, and that's pretty much just how it goes. So check in with yourself on February 10th to see how this clash with Mars in Taurus is shaking out for your Mercury retrograde narrative. 
On February 11th, we'll see our brilliant new moon in Aquarius, which clocks in um, at 23 degrees of Aquarius. So if you have planets or points around 23 degrees of Aquarius, they will be graced by this new moon. Um, the sun meets the moon at 2.06 p.m. EST, and I'll be meeting with my patrons at 8.30 p.m. that evening EST to set intentions for this really exciting lunar cycle. The main theme that we have here is the intentional engagement of utopia, new community, accesses to resource for all, and progress. Aquarius is the water bearer, but the emphasis is really on the bearing more so than the water. And side note, Aquarius is an air sign, not a water sign. Sometimes I see people mix that up. Aquarius brings resources to the group that the group sorely needs, right? We need the water, um, but not everybody is capable of bringing the water or carrying the heavy urn, right? So the Aquarian archetype is representative of someone who has the wherewithal to know that the urn is a tool that can help sustain people in the future. Aquarius is all about taking the wisdom of the past and using that to build new tools or new insights or new communities so that we can be supported for our future work, right? And that comes so much from, in the modern perspective, Aquarius being co-ruled by the um, two planets, Saturn and Uranus. Saturn being the planet that connects us to the past, Uranus being the planet that connects us to the surprising and uh, confusing <laughs> path that we take to the future. On this day, we're just going to have, you know, this is really the kind of um, climax of this Aquarius season flood, floods of air through the cosmos, through our charts, um, you know, anywhere that we see a huge concentration or a stellium of planets, we know that there is a high concentration of energy asking for our attention. The way that I see the um, Aquarius stellium that we're working with right now, so by this point in the month on February 11th, we'll have the sun, the moon, Mercury retrograde, Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn, all in Aquarius at this point in time. And so what I've been saying to clients, what I've been saying to people who I just am talking to about all this Aquarian energy, Aquarius is an air sign, and it's like somebody opened a giant, brilliant window, um, open, all the way open, in whatever house uh, Aquarius is on the cusp of in your natal chart. And that breeze that comes through, that Aquarian air, is here to kind of like, you know, move papers around and uh, mess up the drapes and kind of shift our perspective, shift our understanding of what we're really supposed to be working with right now. Detaching, finding some kind of solemn uh, but purposeful orientation to the ideas that are at hand, the ideas that underpin our greatest and most brilliant dreams. Right? Aquarius is an air sign. Air signs are intellectual. They are curious and they are idea-oriented thinking signs. So this is what's coming through for this Aquarius new moon. It's really this seed planting moment for community, ideas of progress and utopia, as well as you know where you fit in the humanitarian kind of landscape. What kind of work are you doing? What kind of service are you engaged in? And that's not to judge anybody and say, if you're not doing 
community service, you're not part of the group. No. Where do you fit in your community at this point? And where are you generous with other people? Where are you able to meet people um, where you know they need them? Because we all play a part. So this Aquarian new moon is here to sort of enhance this role and bring our attention to the kind of fact that we always need to be renewing our commitment to the group at large and to one another in community, which I think is so beautiful. So Venus will also be conjunct Jupiter on this day, which is a brilliant and dazzling conjunction of the benefic planets um, of values and expansions, right? Venus and Jupiter are the two benefics in the natal chart or in the, the cosmos in general. Venus ruling values, money, pleasure, beauty, and Jupiter ruling optimism, expansion, and daring, right? The kind of desire to keep learning and growing throughout our life and having optimism for what can be accomplished through intellectual rigor. So this is sure to bring enhanced magic to any workings that you're doing, this conjunction of Jupiter and Venus. It's an amazing day for spell work if you have a kind of Aquarian uh, motive that you're trying to facilitate. So look for the place in your natal chart that Aquarius occupies to see where you're getting this kind of cosmic upgrade. This lunation is really powerful and very interesting to me personally. And I'd love to know how you're experiencing it too. So you can shoot me a note if you want to and let me know what your Aquarius new moon feelings are. I'll be checking in. Um, on February 17th, a few days later, um, February 17th is a date that I have highlighted in my ephemeris just for the acknowledgement of Saturn in Aquarius square Uranus in Taurus. And so this is a big deal. This is the first of three squares that these planets will make this year. The other two happening on June 14th and December 24th. Um, and so Saturn square Uranus is one of the key characterizing astrological signatures of 2021. As the planet of structure, restriction, boundaries, and time, that's Saturn, clashes with the planet of innovation, shock, and change, that's Uranus, we're watching a showdown of old gods who really want different things. Saturn is the mythological sun of Uranus. Uranus is the oldest god of the sky who created the world that we live in with Gaia, Mother Earth. There is this inherently patriarchal feel to this square as the old guard clashes with new ideas of perspective, new expansive experiences, and new rules. We'll be on the lookout for shocking conversations around how our society is structured. So, you know, with these squares or with these big astrological activations, it's not to say that that date is the date that something necessarily happens, although it can work that way. But this is more of like, you know, hands of a clock clicking into place. Something is noted, something is initiated, and then time continues. It's more of a kind of energetic shift, things coming to the surface after this is initiated that we start to notice and kind of um, track our Saturn square Uranus experiences. And so the parts of your own chart where Saturn and Uranus hang out, those are the parts of the natal chart where deep change is being facilitated. Um, and really, we are all kind of being forced to reckon with the parts of our lives that have become too rigid, or too stagnant, or too structured, and letting Uranus kind of work us over, and maybe even um, 
surprise us and scare us into a new possibility, a new orientation of self. Um, that's what's coming through. The kind of bedrock foundation of our lives gets jolted by the earthquakes of Uranus. And so it's not something that I think is easy to live through, but we're living through this moment for reasons that we don't yet realize, I believe. I believe that at least. Um, not to get too zoomed out and, and cosmic on you, but I really do think that the astrology that we're experiencing these days and all of the societal chaos that we're bearing witness to, we were all here to, you know, number one, bear witness, but number two, play a part in how things wind up turning out. So just keep that in your pocket. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like this is too much, um, you're here for a reason, my friend, and you're here to be living through this and, you know, to be able to tell the story of how the world changed while you watched it. So the sun will enter Pisces on February 18th, and our luminary of self is now in the final sign of the zodiac, our fish of duality. This is a season of compassion and helping, of deep dreaming and creating. And the past month's Aquarian upheavals now get integrated and transmuted into nourishment or fertilization for dreams and healing. Pisces is the final sign of the zodiac, as I said Two seconds ago, but it's also um, a water sign, it is a feminine sign, and it is a mutable sign. The mutable signs, being Pisces, Virgo, Gemini, and Sagittarius, are all signs that bear this kind of marker of duality. In um, ancient Greek, mutable, the word, um, is disomos, which means double-bodied, right? Um, and so we know that there is this kind of power that mutable signs have to either, you know, be of two minds of, about something. We kind of make fun of Gemini for that. I think that's a Virgo quality as well. Um, you know, or, you know, it's definitely a Sagittarian trait to have opposing opinions and argue them fiercely. Um, you know, for the Virgo archetype, the kind of double-bodiedness to me is about the... Um, containment um, of one's own virginity but also you know being the queen of hell <laughs> virgo is associated with the myth of persephone who reigns you know in hell as the queen half of the year and then for the other half of the year lives with her mother in the day world um, and gets to be the sort of virginal princess figure um, and so Virgo is a complicated sign for so many different reasons, but this double-bodiedness of, you know, virginity being more about personal authority rather than like the kind of virginity that we grew up thinking we needed to like maintain if you were raised in a strict household, for example, um, you know, that's not really what the virginity of Virgo is all about. Um, and so with Pisces, you know, Pisces is symbolized by this beautiful glyph, which we get from the Pisces constellation itself, which is also really, really um, gorgeous, um, which is symbolized by two fish that are tied together by a ribbon, um, you know, connecting them by the tail. One of the fish swims through the realm of the day world and is the kind of conscious and um, charitable and compassionate um, advocate for the underdog you know, Pisces do-gooder, typical person that we probably know and love in, in our lives. Um, 
The other Pisces, the other side of Pisces, the other fish swims through the realm of the underworld, through dream, through shadow, and brings to us lots of information from the unconscious mind. And so Pisces has this ability to kind of straddle two worlds. Um, and I think if you've ever had a conversation with a Pisces or someone with Pisces placements, you know what I'm talking about, about being present, but absent, but you know, not in a bad way, in a way that you know that this person is connected to something that is actually um, kind of divine and kind of amazing. So that's my my crush on Pisces speech, but basically when the sun is in Pisces, our focus comes to winding down narratives of self that the sun has been exploring for the past um, solar year, right? With the last sign of the zodiac, we find narratives of transmutation, personal alchemy, um, integration of knowledge. We are putting away and, and trying to kind of organize and make room for, make sense of all of the lessons that we've learned from Aries season 2020 through Pisces season of 2021. So think back, my friends. Think about how you've changed. This is a marker, the end of a solar cycle, and it's as notable as any other kind of, you know, New Year celebration that we celebrate, um, you know, in the Western world. It's a big it's a big deal we're having a solar um, transition and as the world continues to change around us challenging our concepts of self and of safety and of you know any kind of foundation understanding that right now uh, you know as the sun moves through pisces we're kind of in this moment of tying up narratives and then eventually moving into something new when the sun ingresses into aries um, it's just something to kind of keep in mind so on February 19th, Venus will clash with Mars, um, and our planet of values, Venus, um, will be asked some awkward questions about what she's actually taking action for and what the outcomes of her many whims look like. Mars and Taurus is about rooting into earthen diligence as a matter of self-advocacy, right? Mars, the warrior, wears the armor of Taurus when he is in that sign. So Mars and Venus, Mars and Venus in a square, sees disruptive dynamics between desire and action, hate and love, softness and hardness, um, waiting and rushing. It's a bit of a pressurizing moment. We could feel really desirous of something new. Um, I think the conversation between Aquarius and Taurus asks us how our values, which is Taurus, really root and guide us into these explorations of everything I've been talking about, community, progressivism, humanitarianism, um, just, you know, uh, solidarity with your, um, with your people, with the people that live around you, in your neighborhoods, in your chosen clubs and groups. What is guiding you here? This is a question that gets asked to us on February 19th. And last but not least, Mercury is going to station direct on February 20th, ending his retrograde. He'll wrap up retrograde at 11 degrees of Aquarius. So if you've got planets or points there, you'll be having this station right on that planet. Congratulations. Um, so, you know, I think that from February 20th um, through March 14th, we're letting the retrograde nutrients kind of come into our minds and hearts over the next few weeks. Um, through March 14th, Mercury will be in his shadow period, which is the period after a retrograde where the planet is tracing 
over the degrees that it retrograded through. And so it's kind of like we're putting the pieces of the puzzle together. We are integrating the wisdom. We are integrating the mistakes and the fuck-ups that we've experienced. We are kind of letting the wisdom or, you know, I would say, even the frustration or the sorrow that we experience through retrograde, we're letting it come to live in our body, in our stories. Um, so, you know, let that be part of what kind of guides you through. When Mercury stations direct, things do get easier, but um, after, you know, the retrograde station, or rather after the direct station, we do need to wait until the shadow period is over for things to really feel like they're moving forward once again. So, you know, we're always in these periods of waiting, I feel, especially right now. We're good at it. You're, you're really good at it. <laughs> I believe in you. Um, so that, my dears, is the overview of what the next couple of weeks of astrology has to offer us. I really hope that this has been supportive for you. And if you like my work and you like listening to this show, you can head on over to the Apple Podcasts platform and leave a little review and rating. I'd love to know what you think. Um, even if you're listening on Spotify or you know any other kind of platform, it does help people find the show if you live, leave a reading on the Apple Podcasts uh, forum. So I would appreciate that. And as always, if anybody is interested in going deeper with me, I have my Patreon platform that I love um, using to facilitate my twice monthly moon meetings. Um, and I will be announcing some really exciting classes coming up for the Pisces season um, and Aries ingress as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, patrons always get um, deep discounts on class tickets and lots of other goodies throughout the year so explore that um, it's at patreon.com backslash eighth house astrology and that is all that is all I have I hope that this finds you well <sighs> I think that it's just a really complicated moment and I know that lots of you are living through complicated um, experiences right now so I'm just sending lots of love and solidarity and I thank you for spending some time with me. Take good care and I'll talk to you soon.